Hi, this is your host, Becky Sanders. Welcome to A Virtual View, where we discuss healthcare, telehealth, and everything in between. Today, our guest is Dina Dodd, Director of Government Relations for the Indiana Rural Health Association. Dina has been with the Rural Health Association since 2010 and been a part of the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center program since 2016. Hi, Dina. Would you like to introduce yourself? Good morning. Thanks for having me this morning, Becky. I certainly appreciate the opportunity. You are very welcome. We are honored to have you on our show. So I would like to start off with some heavy hitting policy that's affected us here in the state of Indiana. Could you talk to us about the evolution of Indiana Senate Bill 3, which is now public law 85, I think? Yeah, absolutely. So we saw some really interesting conversation this year at the State House with regards to telehealth. I was excited actually to see the General Assembly recognize the wealth that has come out of telehealth over the last year during the pandemic. So when they started session in January, one of the bills that they brought forward, and clearly it was top of mind for them, was Senate Bill 3. So it was one of the very first bills that was submitted to the Senate for review this year. And... Well, Dina, let me stop you just a second, because I bet a lot of our listeners don't really understand that process. So when you say it was top because it was number three, how do bills get introduced and assigned? Can you give us a little detail on that? Sure. Yes, absolutely. So for the Indiana General Assembly, they are a part-time legislative body. And the first top 10 bills in both the House and the Senate are bills that align with not only top priorities in their respective venue, but also conversations that they've had with the governor. Our governor right now is Eric Holcomb. He has uh, was just reelected actually this past fall. And Governor Holcomb has been a real advocate in and around things to move health care forward. And so this year, when we started the legislative session, and this appeared as Senate Bill 3, there was a, actually a lot of excitement, I think, for health care across the state of Indiana to see that this really carried a priority, not just for the Senate, but for the governor as well. Thank you, Dina. That's very helpful for our listeners. So I just want to bring some perspective on what this bill really meant for the state of Indiana, Becky, if that's okay with you. Perfect. Wonderful. So when uh, this bill came into the Senate, it changed a few things, but what it really did was enhance the list of providers. And so the big move that we saw with regards to term change was we moved from the term telemedicine specifically to the word telehealth. So now Indiana law will reflect that it is telehealth. But one of the things I was most impressed and excited to see was the additional list of licensed practitioners able to engage in telehealth. And that included athletic trainers, chiropractors, dental hygienists, dentists, diabetic educators, dietitians, genetic counselors, which we've been watching for, of course, physicians and nurses. We saw occupational therapists, as well as behavioral health and human services professionals. We saw the addition of optometrists and pharmacists, and we saw the addition also of physical therapists, which was really great because that was something that physical therapists had been rallying for and had been uh, yearning to become part of for the last couple of years. 
And of course we saw physician's assistants, podiatrists, psychiatrists, psychologists, respiratory care practitioners, as well as speech and language pathologists and or audiologists. So really a pretty comprehensive list of providers that are able to exercise and execute within that telehealth realm. Yeah, it was quite a list of providers, one that I hadn't really thought about too much, but, you know, I had heard mention of during the pandemic was veterinarians. It, it, it was part of that, and it was exciting to see, I know for, I know as a individual who has pets, one of my animals did get ill during the pandemic, so I called to make an appointment. And my veterinarian office was, of course, executing as the governor had set forth. So it was kind of a challenge to get in and have my pet seen. So seeing veterinarians be on this list, especially if we ever find ourselves in this situation again, I think is really going to be beneficial because across the state, we know that not all places, not all counties, have access to certain providers. And so whether it be a veterinarian or a chiropractor or a physical therapist, having access to them through a telehealth portal is going to be exceptional. And it's going to really enhance and enrich the lives of not just humans, but our pets alike. Absolutely. Back to human healthcare, one of the things that I was most excited to see in this bill was the elimination of the qualifications around an originating site. So now, as we first saw in Medicare and Medicaid during the pandemic back in March of 2020 and some of those first executive orders at the federal level and again at the state level, patients being allowed to be seen from home and also relaxation around where the provider location was and the providers actually being able to be at home. Because we do have a lot of elderly providers and without their efforts in the healthcare arena, we would have an even bigger access problem of not having providers for patients that could now be anywhere. You're absolutely correct, Beck. During the public health emergency, we did see the federal government institute some really significant updates. And I'm optimistic that those will remain in place. Of course, we are still under a public health emergency. We are watching some of those be implemented in some of the bills that we're seeing come forward now. But also, you know, One of the things that Governor Holcomb did here in the state of Indiana was he reached out to individuals who had been retired for a couple of years and asked and encouraged them to participate in providing care during this public health emergency, during the pandemic. And I think that that could have been a real game changer for those folks who live in rural. We do have an aging population, especially in rural Indiana. And that definitely includes physicians, nurses, as well as various therapists. So for them to be able to come out of retirement for a little while and support their rural friends and family as we navigated these very unfamiliar waters that were presented during the public health emergency was extremely beneficial for not only the state and getting care to folks, but it really... um, provided, I think, not just constituents, but local and elected officials, 
you know, across the state to really see what could be accomplished with telehealth. And I'm not really sure that they understood before the public health emergency exactly how diverse of care, how important care was, and how efficient telehealth is in delivering care, whether it be to somebody who is young and challenged with various healthcare issues, or whether they're in the middle to aged population and struggling with different comorbidities and were extremely vulnerable. So we really saw a vast swath of enhancement, improvements, and encouragements where telehealth was concerned. Yeah. And you're right. I remember when that order came out from Governor Holcomb, and there were even some medical students that were at the end of their training that they were certified to practice early and licensed early. And a whole slew of individuals came out of retirement at the beginning of the pandemic. It was so important. The other thing that you touched on, the real jobs, quote unquote, that our legislators hold here in the state of Indiana. Since we do have a part-time legislature and they're only up in Indianapolis maybe four months of the year, generally January to end of March, and then for sometimes for a little period in November and December getting ready for the new session, there really aren't a lot of individuals on either the House or the Senate side in the state of Indiana that that their normal job is in healthcare. Is that right? You're absolutely correct, Becky. Our legislators come from all walks of life. We've got folks who are in the healthcare industry, whether they be pharmacists, dentists, registered nurses. We do have a couple of physicians, both of which are retired, that are now in our state legislature. And we have, I believe, one or two administrative healthcare professionals who understand how to navigate in that healthcare element. But outside of that, we really have folks who are private entrepreneurs, that are lawyers, bankers, real estate folks. We've got kind of folks from all walks of life who sit in those seats. And I think that that's one of the really lovely things about Indiana being a part-time legislative body is that they do bring varying perspectives, but it also definitely presents challenges as they only come in for three or four months and then they walk away for five or six months. They may come in for a summer study session, which generally is just maybe two or three days, maybe cumulative 12 to 16 hours together for that period, and then come back in November for one day, start submitting materials, have all of their materials for the next legislative session submitted by mid-December, and then start the whole process all over again. So while they're back in their homes during that down period here in Indiana, they're running their businesses and executing in, in spaces that have no real touch points to healthcare. So it's really important that they got to see this last year what happens when a public health emergency arises and the quality of care that can happen when telehealth is engaged. Yep. Very true. You know, in the upper Midwest, Telehealth Resource Center, 
we do have three other states in addition to Indiana. So we would be remiss if we didn't talk about how their Medicaid policies have changed during the pandemic as well. We want to start with Ohio? Yeah, absolutely. We can certainly talk about Ohio. So Ohio is not a part-time legislative body. They actually are there a more robust part of the year. They're actually able to submit bills all year long as they as they deem necessary. Now, Ohio kind of saw some some challenges during the public health emergency while we were within that pandemic and They did not have as many bills submitted during the year last year, but one of the bills that they brought forward was pretty exciting. I bet I know which one you're going to talk to me about. Well, I didn't, I didn't write down a specific bill number, but they, you know, it's very interesting in Ohio because they were one of the last of our four states. It wasn't until 2014 that their Medicaid program dipped its toes into telehealth. And then they were one of the first to actually make the uh, originating site for the patient to be anywhere. And that was way back in July of 2019, even before the pandemic. You're absolutely right, Becky. (laughs) Uh, Ohio's, um, first of all, Ohio has a, a really large footprint. If you look at the coverage, the sheer mass of Ohio is kind of overwhelming. Uh, So when you think about having to deliver health care over the crux of the state that is that size, that has that kind of landmass, once Ohio legislators saw the wealth with regards to telemedicine, they definitely saw a need to get on board and to get it instituted and implemented so that Medicaid and private payers could start engaging constituents, which was really exciting. And like you noted, it happened in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're interested, if you're listening from the state of Ohio, we did just do a program, a webinar yesterday on May 12th that you can find on our YouTube page or on our archived webinars on our website. The Next state that I'd like to talk about is Michigan. What can you tell us about Michigan? Oh, what? I'd like to go back for just a second to Ohio if we can. Sure. For just a minute absolutely. back. So Ohio, actually, their Medicaid includes the patient's home as an originating site, which is awesome. But one of the more exciting elements of Ohio's telehealth law is that while they're not part of the interstate interstate medical licensure compact, they have some of the least restrictive policies for out-of-state physicians. So Ohio actually offers a special telemedicine permit rather than requiring a full state licensure for practicing physicians that want to deliver care remotely. Wow, that is exciting. I had forgotten about that. So as especially in border counties, to the state of Ohio. So you've got Michigan and Indiana and Kentucky and Pennsylvania. That's very exciting. It's it's one of those things where I, I was, when I, when I had realized exactly the depth and the breadth of what could actually occur with it, you know, Ohio Medicaid reimburses physicians, psychiatrists, psychologists, and then if they're within a federally qualified healthcare center, they reimburse those individuals and specialties as well. 
So it really provides an opportunity for different providers to get engaged. And then, you know, they can, they can execute consultations. Of course, they recognize school-based speech therapy, behavioral health counseling, mental health assessments, pharmacological management. So there's really a multitude of areas that Ohio is touching and optimizing opportunities for, which is pretty exciting if you think about it for the folks, the constituents in, in Ohio, especially those rural-based folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, because when you think about not only the landmass of Ohio, but the diversity in population, you know, because Ohio is everything from Cleveland to Cincinnati to Columbus and Dayton, but then there's whole areas of Appalachia that are a part of Ohio as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're spot on there. Thanks so much, Dina, for being with us today. I also want to thank our listeners for listening to A Virtual View. We have had so many topics to cover that we have taken up more than our allotted time for our normal 20 to 30 minute podcast. So we're breaking this into two parts. Thanks for listening today and look forward to part two in a couple of weeks. You can find more information about today's episode in the show notes below. If you'd like to support our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. If you've got questions or topics you'd like to discuss, you can shoot us an email at info at UMTRC or through the form found in the show notes below. Also, I'd like to give special thanks to Josh Rodriguez and Francis Fitzgerald for scoring our podcast and a very special thanks to our producer, Caroline Yoder. Without her, none of this would be possible. Finally, a special thanks to HRSA, the Health Resources and Service Administration. Our podcast series, A Virtual View, is sponsored in part by HRSA's Telehealth Resource Center program, which is under the Federal Office of Rural Health Policy and the Office for Advancement of Telehealth. The content and conclusions of this podcast are those of Becky Sanders as the program director of the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center and should not be construed as the official policy or position of, nor should any endorsements be inferred by, HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government. Thanks for listening and have a great day.